This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Thank you for taking the time to join me on today and a special welcome to those of you that are joining us for the first time. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of a detour. I initially intended on having a guest on and due to my own fault, uh, some scheduling issues on my part, just (laughs) my fault, folks. Hey, I I I admit it. Uh, I made a boo-boo and so we're not able to get our guest on this week, but we are going to continue with the topic at hand. And what I'm going to do since I'm flying solo today is I want to go on what I refer to as a tour of UX job postings. We're still continuing the same topic. We're looking at the landscape of the UX job world, but let's just go on a tour. I'm going to randomly without pretty much any forethought any for planning, I am going to randomly go into the job database on LinkedIn and we want to illustrate some of the things that we should look for when we're looking for a viable UX position, no matter what seniority level a person is at. We want to take a look at jobs you should be aware of. We want to take a look at some of the red flags that will indicate whether or not a company has a, a, a maturity level that is desirous of a person or should be desirous of a person to be connected with. Because if you go to a company as a budding UX professional, as a seasoned UX professional, if you go into a company that has UX maturity issues, you can easily become victimized by that deficiency. So, but that's not the main point of doing this today. We simply just want to take a look at some job postings and I want to sort of just audit them on the spot and just give folks some ideas of what's going on out here. Now, we have talked about it before. We've talked about it during this series already. We've talked about it with multiple people, multiple guests from time to time. The UX job landscape is uh, for lack of a better word and putting it mildly, it is dysfunctional folks. It, it just, it is what it is. A lot of companies don't know how to hire. A lot of companies are in the business of hiring people who know nothing about UX whatsoever to run their UX operations. And so when you come into these environments and you, 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 look, you, you, you see a job posting, right? You're excited and you're thinking, I would love to work there. This sounds like it's for me. I'm really curious about this. I'd like to learn more. And so you apply. And then you go and you talk to somebody. You go through a screener. If you get to that point, you you get screened. They want to try to check out and see whether or not it's worth the team's time to actually spend time talking to you, to evaluate you and consider you for a position. You talk to them, you find out everything seems to be okay, and then you start going through the two, three, or four interviews 
that many people have to go to in order to to land a position. And you may or may not find out what you need to find out. And and one of the reasons why we we end up on one side of the scale or another is for one reason, people tend to forget you're you're being interviewed but you should also be interviewing them. So you always want to make sure that you have questions that will help you to understand what you potentially be getting into in this organization. You want to know things such as how old is the team? The You're likely talking to the leader of the team or you will talk to the leader of the team. So you want to know about their background. And, and sometimes they'll tell you outright, they won't mince any words. They'll be forthright whether they have experience or they don't. You also have their name. You usually get the names of the people you will be interviewing with. And when that happens, I highly recommend that you go to LinkedIn, look at these people's profiles. Now, this is where you may or may not be at an advantage or a disadvantage because if you don't know how to evaluate what you're looking at, you may or may not see what you may or may not need to see. So it's it can be a bit challenging. I know we tell people, look at it, check and see if you are uh, going into a situation with people who are going to be able to mentor you if you're a junior or more of a junior. You, you want to check to see if they have a sound career path laid out for the person that comes into this role. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they can answer questions about it, sometimes they don't. So there are so many questions. I'm going to just try to address the things that we can address because a lot of these questions you simply can't answer. You you can have the interview with someone and you can discover that, hey, I really couldn't find much out. Sometimes because, the frankly, the interviewees or interviewers are not going to be forthright Sometimes they're not going to be very honest. Sometimes they just don't know the answers to your questions. But regardless of the case, that is not an excuse for a candidate, for you, for me, to go into a situation not equipped with the right questions. Whether somebody has the answers or not, it's critical that we go into these situations asking the questions that will help us to understand what we need. If they say they don't know or they sort of dance around it and don't talk about it, Sometimes you get an answer when you don't get an answer. So gauge as best you can based on the information that you have that you receive during those interviews. You want to you want to be as good of a judge as you can be and yeah, you're going to grow, you're going to get better at it. And I have a little bit of bad news for you. Again, I've been doing this for 27 years. I've been interviewing in corporate America longer than that. And job interviews are not necessarily what they appear to be a lot of times. So you all you can do is do your best and hope that people that are talking to you are going to be honest. You also want to get really good at identifying when somebody's not being honest because when people are not honest, that's a sign of what's to come in many cases. I sort of have to call that out now. But before we run out of time here, I don't want to spend all my time sort of going around and touching on these different things. Let's do what we came here to do today. Let's take a look at some job postings and let's see what kind of light we can shed on different things that are happening here in the UX job landscape. Now, I'm not going to give you the names of the companies. 
I'm just going to talk about the positions. I'm not going to, I might talk about what the title is or at least the level of seniority, but I'm not going to give you titles because I really don't want to give away uh, who these companies are. And, and it's really never important who the companies are. I, I want a, another critical thinking tidbit here that I want to leave for you. Make sure you're not one of those people. I've been guilty of it in the past. I can only encourage you to not do this. I know a lot of other people under the sound of my voice are guilty of what I'm about to mention as well. Let us strive as best we can to not be starstruck by the companies we are interviewing with or shall interview with. Now, what do I mean by that? When you hear a big name, when you hear Meta, when you hear Google, when you hear IBM, when you hear Intuit or a rocket mortgage or you know these big, 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 big companies, TD Ameritrade, we, we think, oh, man, I would love to work there. Oh, boy, what a great position. And, and we sort of become starstruck. And when your critical thinking hat falls off or when your critical thinking antenna gets bent and stops receiving a proper quote-unquote reception, there's really no indicator that this has happened. It is so, so I mean, we can, we can see, oh, I'm interviewing with so-and-so, and you just become starstruck, and you just, I just want to work there, and we assume that these companies have high UX maturity levels. We assume that these, com- these companies are going to do right by you and be honest during the interviewing process. We assume that people are going to be forthright and tell us what we need to know and that they're going to be looking out for our best interests and and trying to be very upstanding and professional. Uh, Folks, that's just simply not the case. So never, ever, ever voluntarily take your critical thinking hat off. Never, if you're a critical thinking antenna is bent, you'll be able to tell because you're just accepting what people say at face value and you're no longer investigating You're no longer analyzing. Once you stop investigating and analyzing, and we're not not telling you to be a cynic. We're just trying to encourage you to make sure that you continue to think, continue to process information, and don't be so determined. This really is critical for newer UXers. Don't be so focused on finding a job that you fail to recognize that every job isn't great. And while they might give you a check and they're required to, essentially, if they've hired you, that still doesn't mean that they're upstanding, nor does it mean that you don't have a certain volume of pain and frustration and anxiety that's going to come along with that job. And and when they telegraph it, yeah, I know that happens everywhere, but when they telegraph certain things during the interview process, You want to be really honest with yourself at recognizing and digesting. I'm going back to the same topic, aren't I? So at any rate, okay, here we go. I'm I'm, I'm already X number of minutes in and we haven't looked at any jobs yet. So here we go. Here we go. First job, again, no company names. I will say this one is for a lead UX designer. And I'm not going to read everything here, but we're going to focus on good indicators and red flags. Now, the first thing you usually see in a LinkedIn job description is a job summary. And in this job summary for this particular job, it says that they're looking for an energetic and motivated creator. And I'm going to stop there. 
Um, there is one thing that happens in job postings, uh, and it's called fluff. When you hear things like energetic and motivated, that constitutes fluff. When you are looking to apply for a position, what is the position about? What are the responsibilities going to be? What types of work will you actually be expecting me to do? What kinds of qualifications are you looking for or ideal that would help make a person be an ideal fit for this position? When you start to hear adjectives like energetic and motivated, folks, that's fluff. And it's also extremely subjective. It means one thing to one person, one thing to another, one thing to one company, another thing to another company. And so it doesn't really say anything. So energetic and motivated have nothing to do with being qualified. So again, that's an indicator. We're not even one sentence into this one and I already see the red flags and I've scanned down the page a little bit. There are more. <laughs> so uh, energetic and motivated creator to join the UX group and they want you to be able to enhance quality and performance of the team and help drive change as they develop future mobility experiences and solutions. So this is pretty interesting uh, because it's a lead but it's already starting to sound like a manager. Now, one thing I want people to understand, job postings are not equal across organizations. And we need to recognize that. Somebody may say in this position, they say it's a lead, but it's already starting to sound like a manager. For the record, some lead positions are manager positions. I know a lot of people don't recognize that. They don't understand that. Some people are confused by it. Uh, and so the fact that it says lead and it starts to talk about the equivalent of managing is not necessarily a problem. So because we really have to strive to be sober minded when we're looking at job postings, because especially when you want a job, you don't realize the biases that you have activated that are at large and waiting to de deceive you. You you will deceive yourself when you're when you're looking for for a job. So uh, but understand a lead at one company doesn't do the same thing at another company. A lead at one company is a manager and a lead at another company is not. So let's make sure that we're being sober-minded again about these things. Let, uh, uh, but let's go on. It goes on in the summary to say that acting as our UI UX lead creator, overseeing use case scenarios, which is usually the job mostly of scrum masters, but that's okay. So you are, there's a second hat that we already see. And actually the mere fact that they mentioned UI, that's another hat. Anytime, by the way, you see UI slash UX, that's a problem. Somebody either doesn't understand UX, there's a poor to no UX maturity level, or they're expecting you to be a graphics specialist, which UX people are not. And folks need to understand that today. At any rate, but let's go forward. They want you to be the lead creator overseeing use case scenarios, journey mapping, interface design, research and presentation development, and final outcome of the team with the ability to fully manage the project, including the utilization of outside vendors and network. Yeah, this is definitely a manager's position and not just because they use the word manage. Also, there are a lot of different hats. Now, also, I think this is a good time to call something else out. Um, Prior to 2011, 2012, there were no specializations in UX. Most folks were designers, 
architects, whether it was an information architect or a UX architect, most people were designers and architects. And when you were, we did everything. I was interviewed for a, uh, I interviewed for a, a role once at a big name company that I won't bother to mention at this time. Very, very, very big name company, Fortune 50 company, basically. And when I talked to the recruiter during the process, she said, the team really likes you. They're impressed by you. They're just concerned about your experience. I said, what do you mean by that? I have 26, 27 years of experience. Well, what do you mean by that? And she said that they said that they were concerned because your past titles were architect and, and designer. This told me that the team had little to no experience in UX, that they had no knowledge of UX history. They had no knowledge of the evolution of titles within the world of UX, things of this nature. And now these people who have a very small fraction, I did confirm that, by the way, they even had one person interview me just started the week before and never had a UX job in their life. Why would you even send that person to the interview? But they, they did. Anyway, when you have people who don't understand, and, and this is critical, if you want to succeed in UX, you need to understand the history of the discipline. You need to understand how things have shifted over time. You need to understand that for people, and I did tell the recruiter this, we did everything. We did research. We did information architecture. We did usability engineering. We did interface design. We did UI work. We did everything back in the day. This person in the, or this position that I'm reading the job description from, they're looking for someone to do everything. And so it's really in the tradition, part of it, at least anyway, is in the tradition of old UX titles, old UX positions. So it's critical that we that we see and understand that. But I was discriminated against basically because people just simply didn't understand. They didn't bother to ask any questions to confirm it. They just made assumptions. But truth be told, I know a lot of you are looking to grow. You're looking to advance your career. If things continue as they are, for those of you who are about to cross over into that, that 10-year seniority standpoint, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to start to see it where you will interview with and interact with people who have far less experience to you, have absolutely no knowledge of the history and the evolution of the discipline, and they will discredit you because they cannot relate to what you have done in the past. This is really sad. And so I ended up not getting that position, which I dodged a bullet. And thank God for dodged bullets. But I dodged a bullet by going to that organization because not only would they not have understood me? I have gone into situations. I personally have worked in environments before where people have no idea what I'm talking about and no idea what I'm referring to because they simply don't have the experience. And it, they don't want to admit they don't have the experience, so they'd rather discredit you, the senior, than to admit what they don't have and try to find out. It, it's a very strange part of the UX landscape, but... It is a reality, so be ready to deal with it, folks. Let, let's dive into this a little bit more. Uh, there's a few things here I want to call out. First bullet here, it says, ability to lead and oversee the graphic development activities related to UX design, including GUI design and final presentation material for clear communication to the end user and client. 
This one is, is interesting because it sounds like something I'm doing today. But to see that handed off, yes, is it possible for some UX people to do this? Yes, it is. But should something graphically oriented be listed as the first requirement, the first responsibility for a lead UX position? I'm going to say no. Even if a person has some type of input or provides some type of support for such things, graphics cannot be at the forefront of any UX role. It simply cannot. It simply should not, folks. That is not what UX is. We are not glorified UI designers. If you're a GUI person, that's fine. I mean, and yeah, we, we do design interfaces. We do. We might not work on the presentation layer of it, but we do some of the work associated with it. So it's really interesting that the way that they did that is, is really something that, that's sort of eye-opening to see. Something else I want to call out here because uh, I'm probably going to forget to mention it, so I'm going to say it here. A lot of companies have no idea how to write UX job descriptions, so they copy them from other companies. Because of that, we don't know. Until you actually talk with the people in the company, until you actually interview and are able to ask them certain questions, you're not going to be able to gain whether or not any insights, whether or not this is really an original, well-thought-out job description, job posting, you, you, you're going to have to ask them questions. And so if you are interested, you come across this position, which I'm. by the time I get to the end of this, my hunch is you're not going to be. That uh, was a hint to the hint, hint. Um, when you, you talk to them and you see certain things that, that's, that sort of make you go, hmm, then mark that down as something you definitely want to ask about for job searchers out there. You definitely want to ask about that. You want to have some dialogue about that during the interview process. Now, here's the funny thing. At least this company said it. A lot of companies don't bother to tell you because they think that it's going to discourage people from applying for the role. So some companies are not transparent even at the job posting stage. And again, you're not going to find this out unless you ask certain questions during the, the interview process. So, so don't rely necessarily on what you see. Have certain questions you're going to ask, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what's going on. Have certain questions ready in the hopper, so to speak, so you can make sure that a company or a position is or is not what you're looking for so that you know how to proceed. So at any rate, that should not be the number one bullet. If, if that's what somebody needs to do, that's what somebody needs needs to do in this role, but it shouldn't be number one because that's that's an indicator that you may do UX things and be rejected. I've seen and experienced that before as well. That you'll say something and everybody will look at you like you are completely off your rocker when everything you said is completely accurate and correct and proper. So but if there's UX material level issues, if people are not uh, uh, handling things or structuring things the right way. If the team is sort of Frankenstein together, then you're going to get something like that. So just something to note. Going to jump down and look at another one here. It says another bullet works closely with market research analysts to convey client direction and understanding of the data in order to transform the data into strategy 
for developing UI slash UX assets. Again, there's a UI UX again. You, you don't need to do that. Please stop doing that. Uh, I'm going to run away from you if you keep saying and doing that, just, just, just saying that. Uh, this is legit. What it's basically talking about, even though they didn't use the term, they're basically talking about making UX strategic recommendations based on the, the synthesis of data obtained through research. So I just rephrased what they said. And I said it in a way that should communicate with everybody in the world of UX that, okay, you want me to be good at doing synergy. So now when I'm interviewing for this role and when I'm talking about or sharing my work, I can talk about instances where I have synergized data in the past to help make myself a better candidate. I, I can I can tremendously impact my candidacy because now I have a clearer picture of what you're looking for. Now, of course, unfortunately, lots of job postings completely lack this. <laughs> it simply isn't there. And because it's not there, folks, people just don't know. They just, the people don't, you end up going in and you share work from your past that doesn't match things that they spoke to in the job description because it wasn't presented clearly. And you have no idea. I, it, it's amazing how many people, and this is not just UX, this is across the board. It's amazing how many people tend to behave in a way that implies they think that somebody can read their minds. This happens a lot. A lot of us are subject to this. Nobody can read anybody else's mind. And, and that's the challenge when you're interviewing that the job posting is more than likely not well-written, but whether it's well-written or not, you still have to try to identify through some type of foresight things that you can do to help drive the conversation further in your favor. That's, that's a time to do it during the job interview, but if people are sort of, again, I just reworded one of the bullets in, this, <laughs> in the responsibilities for this job, and... But how come they couldn't say this? Instead, they said, man, there's three lines here on this post when it really only required two. And now you wonder why there was fluff in the beginning because people, they're just be, they're being too wordy. And when people are being overly wordy, a lot of times you will find that it's because they really don't know how to express themselves. So when you interview with somebody like that, it's good that you can recognize it. Because it, when you interview with them, you're probably going to run into the same. Then again, you may not because the person who wrote the job description or who wrote the posting is probably not who you're going to be interviewing with. So just, again, something to note. Are, are there a lot of moving pieces? Yes, there are a lot of moving pieces here. So, so just beware. Be aware of that and be ready to do the right things. L let's take a quick look at the qualifications. Now, remember, this is for a lead UX role. They want a bachelor's degree in graphic design. Again, that's the first thing that's mentioned. Folks, just because a person knows how to do UI does not mean they know how to do UX. So let's please remember that. So somebody in this company, we were seeing graphics elevated and presented too prominently, which is telling me that this is a UX role or actually a UI role with a UX title. That's what this is telling me. So just something else to note. Uh, if graphic design is, is the first thing that they mention, how about flip it? Because it goes on, of course. A bachelor's design in graphic design or bachelor's degree in graphic design, 
cognitive psychology, interface, interaction design, human-computer interaction, or a related field. Why not flip that? Why put graphics first? And I think it's really because that's what they want. They want a person that's more graphic-oriented or graphically skilled, more aesthetically equipped and, and wired than HCI adapter or adapted or UCD, user-centered design adapted. Uh, so no matter what they say, and even though this position is a lead UX designer position, that's what it says in the title, folks, it isn't. This is not a UX role. And if I was looking for a job, I would bypass this job before I even got to the thing I'm about to mention to you here in a moment. So they want you to have five to eight years of relevant experience. Again, here it is again in UI UX or interface and interaction design. And again, the mere fact they say UI UX, I'm out. Uh, that, that's just what I uh, uh, recommend people to do. Preferred skills. They need somebody who supervises coaches and trains less experienced designers. Again, a management role. Knowledge of website and services. I, okay, no big deal there. Knowledge of different different operating systems. Apple, Microsoft, and Android. Uh, that, that's not, that that's irrelevant. Uh, when we're looking at experiences, the operating system, uh, for the most part, is not really a, a factor. So, and, and people are, if, if, if you know one, you're going to end up learning another one. And most people know two, at least two. So don't, don't even worry about that. Here's the part that really got me. Now, you want a person to come in, operate at a management level. You want a person to do all of these things, but then you start to sort of go downhill and they only want five to eight years of experience. Person who lead a lead role, and this is a manager, a lead UX role should call for a minimum of 10 years of experience. A minimum of 10 years of experience, not five to eight. Five is still mid-level. Eight is borderline senior, but five is definitely mid-level. So somebody doesn't understand how to structure things. And this is a big company, by the way, as well. This is a very big company. But here's when it really went completely south. The salary starts at $93,000. For, for what it is that they're asking people to do, it's re it requires a higher salary than that, which partially explains why they want somebody who has a, little, a bit less experience. You only have to have a bachelor's degree. You don't need a master's degree because they're going to start to lowball people. This is basically a lowball job. And you're going to be wearing, whoever goes to this role is going to wear a minimum of three to four hats. And now you've got to go in and interview with them and find out how the team is structured, how many people are there, and all the other little nuances that didn't make their way into the job description. So just some interesting things, folks, that are easy or critical, I should say, to know. Now let's go and look at another, I don't think we have opportunity to look at too many today. So let's go through one more. To wrap up today, the one we're going to look at is going to be relatively simple, but I think there are some interesting things here that that we can highlight for folks who are in the market today or just, I mean, this is an ongoing thing to, to always be observant, to always be looking out for things that we, that we should be, um, 
for lack of a better word, aware of things we need to be on guard for, you know, the little things like this. And, and we'll do this other times. I'm sure I'd like to, to do another show where we're looking at more and how I have some more folks on the show with me where we can look at a lot more things um, from a lot of different angles because different, more people, there's going to be different perspectives. It's good for us to look at it, a more diverse kind of a, kind of an examination. But at any rate, this one, again, is pretty simple. I mean, this has got to be one of the shortest job descriptions I think I've ever seen. It is just for a UX designer. And it starts off by saying that this candidate will be responsible for building a clean and effective user experience for our customers. Uh, duh. Okay. <laughs> Somebody that you could tell that when somebody writes that, they don't really know what to say. Uh, every user experience person does that. So at any rate, that, that just sort of makes me chuckle a little bit. By working cross-functionally, this candidate will understand needs from the product management, engineering, and business stakeholders, and will be able to build solutions that fit those needs. Now, this really, I don't know if they, they just talked about our customers, but now it's like it's shifted and we're only talking about Internal people, uh, there's a phrase that I saw someone use on LinkedIn, and I think it deserves a lot more usage, and I think it's pretty interesting, and it's very, very accurate. We're engaged in user experience, right? We're doing work that is user-centered. We're trying to meet user needs, but we're also looking at the needs of the business, and we're trying to operate within constraints, and we labor to find the sweet spot between those three things. But somebody used the phrase stakeholder needs and stakeholder centered. That is absolutely ingenious because that's what a lot of companies really want you to do, especially for most positions that are like product designer positions. They're stakeholder centered for the most part users. <laughs> the, the users are just left out in the cold with regard to what a lot of folks are doing today. And it's critical for us to know that because we are basically the stewards of our own discipline. A lot of other people, including stakeholders, are not looking out for the well-being of UX. So we need to be aware of this. And this, these first two lines in this job posting sounds like the purposes are diametrically opposed to one another. We're going to try to set up and, and strive for an effective user experience for customers. You don't even need to tell us that. But then to talk about the needs. Now, and let me stop for a moment. Do it, do product management groups, engineers, and business stakeholders have needs? Yes, they do. Are we trying to address those needs? Yes, we are. But this seems, the way that the voice and the tone of this particular communication, it leaves much to be desired because it, it leaves the impression that this, which comes across as very politically um, uh, structured, if you will, is really going to be the key point. And, and whoever goes in here, and it's more of a junior role, for the record, the, they're going to have to struggle. You could, you could come up with something that will work for the users. And you know if it works for the users, guess who else is going to work for? It's going to work for the product management, the engineers, and the business stakeholders. Because if the users... If the customers don't buy or use our product or solution, none of us have, have a job. So I don't know why people tend to um, forget about that. There are some people also that think that user experience folks only care about users. That's not true. But we just understand how everything works together. So at any rate, let's dive into this a little bit more.
So responsibilities include um, ensuring that established design standards are consistently and appropriately applied within design work. Shouldn't be the most important thing, but yeah, I get it. Uh, Engage with product management, engineering, business stakeholders, and third-party vendors to understand the project. Okay, another thing that's standard. Develop and present documentation, user flows, annotated wireframes, and interactive prototypes. I find this interesting because in the midst of everything that has happened in UX over the years, especially in more recent years, wireframes have pretty much become a thing of the past. But I have never seen an annotated wireframe. I have not say, I should say, I have not seen an annotated wireframe to be delivered to a stakeholder since uh, 2010, 2011, 11 years. I have not seen an annotated wireframe. I used to do them earlier in my career. So it's just surprising to see this because the interactive prototypes, and I got to say, I'll give you a comment about that in a moment. I'm just reading what they say here. Um, the the interactive the, or the prototypes, I'm going to just say what I know it is. The prototype already indicates certain things. Do we still need some annotations? Possibly, yes. I, I can see why somebody might say it, but if you just, just say wireframes, that, that'll be enough to communicate. And if they need to be annotated, you can communicate that. But I pretty much guarantee you, your annotations are going to be limited if you're using prototypes to communicate with the team because if they want to see how things work, they're going to look at the prototype and they'll be able to see that. Now, here's a little sidebar. Uh, I, I hear people sometimes say interactive prototypes. Folks, a prototype is interactive. So when somebody says interactive prototypes, it's actually redundant. So there's no need for us to say interactive prototypes. We have to say annotated wireframes because all wireframes are not annotated. But, Prototypes are interactive. So just a little tidbit for some folks to tap into there. Looking at the qualifications, they say that they want somebody with a bachelor's degree or equivalent in human-computer interaction, design, or related field of study. So they were a bit more gracious and more direct than the last job posting that we looked at. I The, the thing that stood out to me here was bachelor's degree or equivalent. What is the equivalent of a bachelor's degree? Because that just sort of just, all that does is just spark questions in my mind because you can't do anything anywhere else that's equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Does that mean that two associate's degrees equal that? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. So this is another one of those cases where somebody who really didn't understand something was writing job descriptions. So it's going to happen, folks. It, it's out there. They want you to have two years of experience in design. And what's funny is that the word years has an apostrophe on the end like it's possessive, and that, that really doesn't make sense. I think that's just a typo. But then it, then lastly, proficient in dun, 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 visual design and wireframing tools. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, visual design is not a requirement to be good at UX, to excel at it. Uh, and wireframing tools, okay, that's okay. At least they didn't specify it. Some people will say, you have to know Figma. And some people will say, you gotta know Envision. And somebody will say, oh, you gotta have Axure. If you know one tool and you don't know another one, it's so easy to learn another one. It's not, it's not an issue. You don't even need to specify it. So I give these people a few more kudos 
than the last folks. Uh, but there's still a few red flags here. And so I'm not saying when you see something like this not to apply. Just know that if you do apply and you get an interview, you're going to have to be ready to ask the questions that that help you to draw out the things that you needed that were not included in the job description. So, folks, that said, I, I'm not going to dive into this anymore today. We could go on and on with this. And I've already gone on by close to 40 minutes here, so we're gonna we're gonna call this a day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end my analysis here for now. We can revisit this another time or maybe as another segue through this series. But, folks, the job landscape in UX is it, it's baffling. It's frustrating. It is dysfunctional. You do not know which way is up. That's just the way that things go. And so because of that, it calls for even more expertise on the end of the applicant, the job seeker. It calls for us to be more inquisitive. It calls for us to have higher levels of discernment and critical thinking. So make sure that you spend the time learning about things. Go through job postings, audit them, practice it. Try to identify things in these job postings that would trigger more questions on your behalf. Try to to look at things that would identify things that would be highlights. I really like this. And just because you don't like, so don't, make sure that your questions are only are not only focused on things you don't like or things you consider to be red flags. Flag things that you love. Make sure to ask questions about those things. Because a lot of times, it's the people, they put these things together so fast, no real thought is going into it. And so if you don't try to draw these things out, God forbid you find out after you get inside. Because then if you find out uh, this is not going to be for me, something is wrong. Now you have to start the process over again. And, and, and why go through that? So try to, to understand what you're getting into up front and you will be better off for it. You'll have a whole lot more peace of mind. Your family, your, your, your significant others, everybody will thank you. They'll be grateful to you. For, for keeping your anxiety at a minimum minimum in your own lives. But th- this is a really frustrating landscape to navigate, folks. So make sure that you got your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Don't be afraid of what you see. Don't be afraid of what you may find out by asking questions. And when you do these things, you will be a lot better off for it. And you can minimize your frustrations, your anxiety, and your heartaches in the meantime and foster a strong and a very enjoyable path in UX and it does take work to do that it's not going to fall on your lap it takes work to do it so make sure you're willing to do the work folks that is all the time we have for today so as a segue in our series just thought we'd talk about this in solo uh, but we hope to have another guest with you next week as we take the topic forward until then it's time to sign off So this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.